1: See, when it says that Jesus was found alone, that's God stepping in and saying, no, there's no avenue of the stars. There's an avenue of the star, and there's only one star. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So to put emphasis on all these strange scenes in the book of Revelation, is to overemphasize these scenes and making an avenue of the stars when there's only one star, the single star in the book of Revelation is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Revelation 1.1 is so important so we could, instead of calling this the book of Revelation, it'd be clear if we said the book of the Revelation, the book of the Revelation, because that's closer when it says in, in uh, Revelation 1.1, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, so this is the unveiling of him. It's a, and what's interesting here is that we've already seen, before the book of Revelation, it, it, we've already seen the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels. But this is a different revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, In the Gospels, we saw the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was the part of Philippians 2, 7 and 8, Philippians 2, 7 and 8. You take that passage in Philippians and you put it into two sections, and the first section is verses 7 and 8, Philippians 2, 7 and 8, where it says about him, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross so this is what we have in the gospels in the gospels we have the revelation of jesus christ after he made himself of no reputation after he took upon him the form of a servant after he was made in the likeness of men after he humbled himself and we saw that he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Okay, that was the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Now, what do we have here in the book of Revelation is a new unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation is the next part of Philippians 2. That's verses 9 through 11, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. This is the part where it says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So the book of Revelation is the revelation of the same person of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, after He's been exalted with a name that's above every name and in every knee bowing to him everywhere in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confessing that he's God to the glory of God. So the book of Revelation is a revelation for us really of three things. It's glory, the glory of his person. It's majestic. It's the majesty of his power and it's wonder. We just sit back and we wonder, what did he do, his purpose? And this is all this because the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed in the book of Revelation. And what it says in the book is that there is a special blessing to reading and hearing. Reading and hearing. Hearing and reading. When you say hearing, at least in the Hebrew, Shema, it's it's not just hearing and understanding. It's hearing and responding. It's hearing and responding, so that's what it says in Revelation 1, 3, in the third verse, first chapter. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, this book is God unfolding precious truths about the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's really for for his believing people. But the only point that we have to remember when we read this book is not to be like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, not to make an avenue of the stars, just have an avenue of these stars. There's the one star. And that's why there's a great hymn. There's a great hymn Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. You could say that's a theme for the book of the Revelation. The book of Revelation is just a glorious sight of the Lord return from the fight triumphant over satan and over our sins see that the words of this hymn go like this look ye saints the sight is glorious see the man of sorrows now from the fight returned victorious every knee to him shall bow crown him crown him crowns become the victor's brow hark those bursts of acclamation hark those loud, triumphant chords. Jesus takes the highest station. Oh, what joy the sight affords. Crown him, crown him. That's a great one. King of kings and lord of lords. And the next time, next edition of the Friendship with God Bible, whenever the book of Revelation is open, then those you'll hear those words. <laughs> <laughs> you open know, the book of Revelation. That's the way it is. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. See, the man of sorrows now from the fight return victorious. Every knee to him shall bow. Now, the point about this is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same person revealed in the Gospels and revealed in the book of Revelation. Now, this last week was quite a week. I mean, watching the TV last Friday and seeing everything that happened, it was thrilling. It was thrilling. It was thrilling. It was thrilling. Whether, you, whether you like Donald Trump or you don't like Donald Trump, it was thrilling. And as we saw our new president get sworn in and become the 45th president of the U.S., all the drama and the pomp and the ceremony of it all, it was really something. And then right after he was sworn in by Chief Justice Roberts, Donald Trump gives a speech. And so everybody listens to the speech. It was very obvious that fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you view it, President Donald Trump is the same person (laughs) as he was before he was president and after he was president. He didn't change. Now, just as the Lord Jesus Christ is the same person in the Gospels and the same person in the book of Revelation, but there was something very different about when Donald Trump became President Donald Trump. After he became President Donald Trump, there was like all eyes were on him and there was just great, great drama, you know, throughout the day when he would appear and, and, and especially when he came at that Liberty Inaugural Ball, you know, very dramatic, you know, as he stood behind those panels of the U.S. flag. How many saw that? Uh, Yeah, and then on the stage, and, and and then the music started to play, you know, hail to the chief, you know, which is very interesting words, hail to the chief. Hail to the chief, we have chosen for the nation. Hail to the chief, we salute him, one and all. Hail to the chief as we pledge our cooperation and proud fulfillment of a great noble call. Yours is the aim to make this grand country grander. This you will do, this our strong, firm belief. Hail to the one we selected as commander, hail to the president, hail to the chief. Okay, so they're playing this song, and then all of a sudden, like, the panels move sideways, and then Donald Trump appears, and it's the great entrance of now President Trump at the Liberty Inaugural Ball, and that's a picture of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the grand entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he's come, as the, as the lucky saints decide his glorious song tells us, he's come now, return from the fight, victorious. He's coming in now as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And just like with President Trump, they have the song, there's a song that's going on here in the book of Revelation. Very significant that the song, you know, Hail to the Chief in the case of the President of the U.S. And that's uh, that's what's happening here. And in Revelation 5.5, 5, this is like the opening of the panels there, Revelation 5.5, 5, when it says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, returned from the fight as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. See, in this scene, it's got all this anticipation, all these expectations, and then the Lord Jesus Christ appears on the stage, you know, the panels turn sideways, and, you know, just like, you know, you get the the ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States, you know, the announcer. That's what's happening here in Revelation five. 5 One of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. See, that's the voice that's heard in the background, the announcement, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. And then he comes in, and then it's a, and I beheld, in verse six, I beheld, and in the midst of the throne, the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, a lamb as it had been slain. And then, let's look at verse nine, Revelation 5, nine, they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, So you don't even know how many there are, you know, you can't do that on a calculator. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ is the revelation of a lamb, a lamb that has been slain from the foundation of the world. He's seen pierced. He's seen with his wounds. And now we're going to finish this service today. We're going to sing another Hail to the Chief song, but it's, Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands inside, Rich wounds, yet visible above. In beauty glorified. No angels in the sky can fully bear that sight. But downward bend their burning eyes at mysteries so bright. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music But its own, awake my soul and sing of Him who died for thee, and hail Him as thy matchless King through all eternity. See, that's our that's our that's our song. That's that's Heaven's song. Now, in Heaven's song, what's so interesting is that as they sing all this song in Heaven, they come to this one part of the song that we're centered on tonight, and this one part of the song is so important. It's so moving that it says that they sing this song, you see that in verse, verse 12, with a loud voice, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. See, the words of this song, that causes them to just burst forward and they say the word worthy, worthy. What's that mean when it says worthy? What this song is doing, this is heaven's estimation. Of the Lord, what they think of the Lamb. This is what they think of the Lamb. And they say, Worthy. In other words, they're giving their their evaluation. And that's a great challenge for us because we're challenged when we look at heaven's estimation of what heaven thinks of the Lamb. And then we have to ourselves the question How is my estimation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does it line up with heaven's estimation? Is that what I think of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb? Is it anything like what heaven thinks? Of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb. This is all heaven's evaluation of the Lamb. And the angels are there evaluating the Lamb as the Redeemer. No angel has ever been redeemed by the Lamb, but but they watched him do the redemption. They watched what the Lord did when he redeemed man. And even though they weren't redeemed by his work, they can't help themselves but to sing in this loud voice Worthy is the Lamb the redeeming lamb that was slain to receive. And then they give this list of these items. Now, the angels in that part, they never knew what it was to be redeemed, but the redeemed in that group, they know personally how much they appreciated to be redeemed, and they getting a little bit of a glimpse of what it really cost. And then they say, you know, we didn't know. We didn't have any idea what it cost it's just like that hymn, uh, the 90 and 9. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night the Lord passed through, ere he found the sheep that was lost. Out in the desert he heard its cry, to sick and helpless and ready to die. None of the ransomed ever knew the price that he paid them. But when they see the Lamb on the throne, they start to get an idea. And then they lift up their voice and they say, Ah, oh, worthy is the Lamb. Now, this part here of the song is giving seven estimates of the Lamb, you know, worthy, the seven points of worthiness. They're saying that he is worthy to receive number one, power. Number two, riches. Number three, wisdom. Number four, strength. Number five, honor. Number six, glory, and then blessing. So first, the Lord, the Lamb, is worthy to receive power. It's a very interesting word, exousia. exousia. It's translated here as power. It's also translated in John 1.12 as power when it says, as many as received him, to them gave he power, exousia, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Really, it's talking about a double reception. We received the Lord Jesus Christ as our savior, and then we also received the power, the exousia, to become the sons of God. It's a very, very interesting word because it doesn't just mean power. It means authority. It means privilege. It means honor, and also carries with it responsibility. I remember back in 2013, when I was those whistleblower lawsuits, the, the firm that I used was Phillips and Cohen, and that meant that I got to, knew, got to know real well uh, Mary Louise Cohen, who was my attorney, and her partner, John Phillips. And so John Phillips, in 2013, was appointed by President Obama to become, as he is now, the U.S. ambassador to Italy, So it's ambassador, and when I remember we had celebration, and it was a big thing when he got that position as ambassador to the U.S. to Italy. And it was all the power, it was all the authority, it was all the honor, it was all the privilege of John Phillips, the ambassador, but it was also the responsibilities. Now, the moment that a child, the, the moment that a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ, in that same moment, conferred on him, is the honor and the privilege and the authority and the power of being a child of God. And so the first estimate that's given of the Lord Jesus Christ is he is worthy to receive this exousia. He is worthy to receive the power, the honor, the privilege, the authority. And consider all the power that he has. You see, all power is given to him according to Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We pray to the Lord Jesus because he has all power. And then he has power, not only that, but it says in John seventeen two. John seventeen two, he was speaking to the Father, he said, as thou has given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him. So he has the power over all flesh, and he has the power to give eternal life. Therefore, people pray to the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sins because he has the power to give eternal life. And he has the power to forgive sins, as it says in Matthew 9 6, Matthew 9 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed. And so we pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive our sins because he has power to forgive. When we sin, we say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, cleanse my heart, because he has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to heal sickness, and he has the power to cast out devils. You may say, cast out devils, I don't even know what that means. Go to Ethiopia, you will see, as we, as I have seen, people who clearly are possessed with devils, and uh, it's just so open and obvious there. And, and anyway, so it says in Mark 3.15, Mark 3.15, and he says he has power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. We pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're sick, heal us because he has power to heal. He has power to heal. His word comes with power. As it says in Luke 4:32, Luke 4:32. They were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power, his words with with power. When he speaks, when he speaks to our hearts, we read the Bible we read the Bible and we go through, we're reading and reading, and all of a sudden as we read something, something just comes alive to us. It's like neon lights went on it. You know what that is? That's the word being respoken to our heart. And he spoke about that in John 6:63. 6, John 6:63. 6, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. When we read And when he re-speaks that, what happens is that he replaces our deadness, our dullness to God, our non-responsiveness, like a dead person, like a corpse. You can stand over a corpse and and preach your heart out, and you're not going to get any decision. You're not going to get any action there. And so anyway, they put stimulus on a corpse, you know, open the eyes, see if the eyes dilate, you know, pinch and so forth like that. Response, response. He replaces our deadness to give us a response to the word of God. And that happens when he re-speaks the word to us. His teaching, when he teaches us, it's with power. It says in Matthew 7:29, Matthew 7:29. For he taught them as one having authority, same word or power, and not as the scribes. We read the Bible, we pray to the Lord Jesus because he has the power to do this. Change us, change me, change me teach me, and as you teach me, change me. He has the power to do that. He has the power to give power to others. It says in Luke 9.1, Luke 9.1, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So we ask the Lord Jesus, give us power to help others, because he has the power to give power. Now, that's power. The second estimate is that he's worthy to receive all riches. He's worthy to receive all riches. In Colossians 1.16, we're told that everything was made by him. All things were made, all, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he's worthy to receive the riches. King Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, he said in First Chronicles 29:14, in First Chronicles 29:14, he said, "Who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee." Malachi, in really challenging Israel, Said to, said to them, one of the last things that Israel heard before the Lord came, before the 400 years of silence, in Malachi 3.8, Malachi 3, 8, Malachi said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, God says, but you say, wherein have we rob thee? In tithes and offerings, in tithes and offerings. And then he goes on in the same chapter, Malachi 3.10, Malachi 3.10, bring Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room to receive it. God has a right to tithes and offerings. And not to give him the tithes and offerings, that's robbery. That's what he says, that's robbery. And tithes and offerings are, are expressions, the way we express to God. When we need help, we give to God. It's like a prayer for help. When we are thankful for what he has done for us, we give to God. We give to God. And and Paul said, there's a time you should do that. He said, on the first day of the week, Sunday, that's today, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. That phrase, give as God hath prospered, it makes it a tremendous fluidity to it.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.